We're in this series, uh, Relationships, and I want to remind you again, we do know how to spell. I know occasionally we have spelling incorrect words up there, but we do know how to spell. But we believe that we have to make a real assessment about where we're at in our relationships. We need to make a real assessment about where we're at in our relationship with God. Listen, when you begin to feel distant from God, when you begin to feel cold towards the things of God, you have to understand he has not left you. The Bible has promised you and I that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So we have to recognize that there's probably something going on inside of us that's not pushing God away, but that's creating this barrier, this, this sense of, God, what's going on in our lives? And rather than just going, well, this is just the way it is, I just need to live with it and put up with stuff, we need to make some adjustments. Sometimes we've been focusing on problems, we've been focusing on issues, we've been focusing on things that we're dealing with, and we just think that we are the fix-it man or the fix-it woman, right? Are y'all that way? Are you married to somebody that's that way? So what we have to learn how to do is we have to get our eyes back on Jesus. we got to lock into him, remember his goodness, remind ourselves about his goodness, recognizing again the tongue has the power of life and death, and I want to speak words of life over my life. But it also happens in our relationships with one another. We have to make some adjustments when things aren't going well. And listen, it's easy again for us just to put up with stuff, especially if you've been married to that ornery person for a long time. Right? You just kind of go through the motions of, well, it's just the way they're always going to be. Listen, it's not the way they're always going to be. You never know. In one moment, God can supernaturally change them. But what I've discovered is that most of the times, God's not actually trying to change them. He's actually trying to change me. And when he changes me, I love it when he changes me. Because things start working in my life. Things start flowing in my life today. So, again, I want to talk. This is kind of part two of last week's message since we're in the middle of spring break. I know a lot of you were gone last week for spring break and you're here today. Some people were um, here last week and they're gone today. And so this is kind of part two, but I want to deal again with this issue of strife because every one of us deal with tension in our relationships. Just because you are in the blessed life, just because you are a follower of Jesus Christ does not mean that you become exempt from problems in this world. In fact, Jesus told us that. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, I know that can be just depressing if we stop there. But he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So we're walking not today trying to walk in victory. We're already walking in a position of victory. And what the enemy wants to do is try to steal the victory from you. And the only way we get out of victory is if we let the enemy steal victory from us. So we've got to make some adjustments. We need to recognize that we're all going to deal with disagreements. We're all going to deal with with discussions. We're all going to deal even sometimes with arguments. All right, we're going to get into some arguments. We're going to we're going to make a mistake. We're going to we're going to get into strife ourselves or or somebody that we're in relationship with is going to get into strife themselves. So what we've got to learn how to do is make an adjustment so we don't get stuck there. I know people that because of an event that happened months ago, years ago, are stuck in that place because of bitterness that's in their life because of something that happened. I don't know about you, but I don't want to rent space in my mind to people that have hurt me in the past. I want to walk in the freedom that God has designed for me. So we we want to make sure that we don't get stuck there. 
Let me show you this verse in Romans chapter 12. It says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now, I want to caution you. What that does not mean is that you said one nice thing and they retaliated back. So you said, okay, I'm out. I'm out. That, that's all that I can do. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. A lot of time there's tension going on in our relationships. And it's kind of like the elephant in the room, right? Everybody knows that it's there, but sometimes we're just unaware that that's the way, not the way that it's supposed to be, or we just don't want to make the effort to actually make an adjustment to change it. And so we've got to recognize that that, that when when we're not doing something about it, what happens is that the enemy begins to come in and he wants to try to destroy relationships. The Bible says this about the devil, that he's a thief, that he has come to steal, he has come to kill, and he has come to destroy But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So when we get stuck, what happens is it begins to stop up God's grace from flowing in our lives like God wants his grace flowing in our lives. I'm thankful that even when I have stopped it up in some areas, it's still flowing in other areas. And sometimes we think because it's flowing in other areas that we don't have to really deal with this other area. But if we'll deal with that area, grace will flow in that area also. So here's how the word of God says it in James chapter 3, verse 16. This is the King James Version. It says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. I talked about this a lot last week, but I want to just touch base real quickly. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. What we need to begin to understand is how important it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ to stand against the spirit of strife that's trying to operate in our lives. As far as it depends on us, the Bible says, as believers, we are to live at peace with everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Everyone in our lives. Because when we allow strife into our lives, the pause button gets pushed. We get, we get stuck, and we should be further along than where we're at, but we get stuck. It's like Groundhog Day. You wake up, and it's the same day over and over again. You're going to get one more chance to try to make that relationship right. You're going to get one more chance to make that thing work well. And you're going to wake up, and you're going to hear Sonny and Cher singing, I've got you, babe, every morning until you make an adjustment and make a change in it. The reason why it happens is because we allow pride into our lives to guide our conversations to to guide our actions instead of allowing God's word God's will and God's way to decide what we're going to do Proverbs 28 says this talking about this issue of pride that an arrogant man the new King James version says he who is proud of a proud heart it's talking about pride in our lives stirs up strife so when we're filled with pride we are constantly the person stirring up strife I've got to be right, so I'm stirring up strife. I've got to prove my point, so I'm stirring up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord, the Bible says, 
will prosper. Now, just so you know, that's not talking just about financial prosperity. It's talking about your marriage prospering. It's talking about your emotions prospering. It's talking about your mindset prospering. So when you're acting prideful, instead of doing things according to God's word, God's will, and God's way, what you're actually saying is, I want to do it according to my word, my will, and my way. And you can. And you can't, listen, I I love the fact that you get to choose whatever it is that you want to believe. You don't get to choose the consequences of what it is that you choose to believe. So what we want to learn to do is we want to learn to believe according to the word of God, get ourselves in alignment because we believe it's the path of life. Amen? God's still going to love you though. But listen to this verse in James 4, 6. That is why the scripture says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, I, I love football season. As you guys know, I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. Our favorite saying is, man, there's always next year, right? But, you know, in, in football, when you've got a tailback, he's got somebody in front of him that is actually blocking for him. You know, that tailback, as awesome as he is, typically is awesome because of the amazing line that he has. And when we begin to understand and we're operating in in not pride but humility, what ends up happening is God actually becomes the blocker for us. And we go through life and he begins to knock things out of the way and he begins to do it. But what happens is the same thing that happens in sports. Suddenly the running back begins to think he's all that. Now, the line wouldn't do this, but I'm sure occasionally they sure want to when, the, when the, they're back in the huddle and the running back's talking about how awesome he is. They want to kind of just miss a block and let him get smashed down a couple of times, right? So when God gives grace to the humble, what he's talking about is God's going to clear the path for you in your life. He's going to provide favor in your life. Things are going to happen in your life that shouldn't have happened in your life. You don't have the education. You don't have the background. You don't have different things in your life for that to happen. And suddenly these favor things are happening. You're going, whoa, because you're operating in humility. But the moment you get back in the huddle and go, hey, Jesus, check me out. Am I not doing awesome? Jesus literally goes from this to, okay, this. And God wants to stop us, not because he's mad at us or mean towards us, but because he does not want us operating in self-destructive behavior. So he's going to actually tackle you before the enemy tackles you. And I'm telling you, when he stops you, he makes you aware of, listen, okay, okay, okay. Because see, this is what happens to me as a pastor. I, I get to these places most of the time where, God, I'm going, I can't do this. And if you actually know anything about me, this is not my comfort zone up here. I'm not a person that just can't wait to get on stage and, hey, please, let's make it all about me. If you know me, that's the way I am. However, God's put me in an uncomfortable position up here. One of the things God taught me is we need to learn how to become comfortable in uncomfortable positions. Because when you get in a position like I'm at today, I know this is totally God. If, if, you're, if you're enjoying this, it's totally God. It's not me. But what happens occasionally is I begin to think, okay, I finally got this pastoring thing figured out. I got this down. God says, okay, I'll let you take it from here on out. All of a sudden, the wheels start falling up because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, most of us don't recognize when we're operating in pride, but when we think it's about us, we're operating in pride. So if you want to see more grace operating in your life, then get humble. Listen, humility is not I'm nothing. 
That's actually a slam against God because the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Humility is, God, I know that you have created me for amazing purposes, but God, I recognize it's because you've created me for amazing purposes. That's why the Bible says that it's the blessing of the Lord that brings wealth. We shouldn't say, my hands have done this. It's the blessing of the Lord. So if you want to see more grace operating in your life, get humble. Decide that you're going to let God rule your life instead of your emotions. Instead of your feelings. Because when you operate in strife and in pride, you open up the back door to the devil to come into your life to bring all kinds of junk into your life. So I hope that what, through this series, that you've been hearing the word of God. And when I say that, I'm not talking about with these things right here. I'm talking about with this thing right down here that every Sunday you're leaning into because you want to learn how to operate in relationships like God wants you to operate in so that you can learn how to stand up against the spirit of strife. You don't have to have strife in your home. Let me say that again because I don't know if some of y'all heard that. You don't have to have strife in your home. You don't. You can make the choice. Changing you changes everything. Because listen, it's a lot better to have peace in your home than to fight over which piece of furniture you want in your atrium. All right? So I'll pick up on that in just a minute. So you need to respond instead of reacting. You need to respond. You need to understand what you're about ready to say, what you're about ready to even say with your face. You need to consider what you're about ready to do, and you need to make sure that you are responding and not just react. Gut reaction of how you're feeling. I'll tell you one of the cool things about learning to respond. You learn to respond long enough, and your reactions will actually become the response that you've chosen. You'll begin to change your default mode from this person that something said and you attack back to suddenly you operate in the love of Jesus. So... Anytime you get into an argument with people that you love in your life and you win the argument, you both lose. Y'all hear that today? You both lose. You got to think win-win. You got to think win-win. You got to think, listen, I want to feel good about this, but I want them to feel good about this too. Because strife destroys relationships. It destroys churches. You know what the enemy wants to do is cause strife in our church. Why does Pastor Richie wear pants that are so tight? because they got dried again man why does pastor richie dress like that what does he does he think that he's just some young hipster no listen that's who i am i'm just trying to be who i am god the enemy wants to bring strife he, it destroys churches it destroys communities listen it even destroys nations this nation is the greatest nation in the world and it's because it was founded on biblical principles but the enemy is coming in trying to bring strife and trying to divide us and i'm telling you there's a lot more that we agree on than we disagree on and we need to start focusing on the things that we agree on rather than things that we disagree on the bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand so we got to be aware of this, this thing the enemy is trying to do because he is trying to get us to buy into this understanding that strife is just a part of life. That you just have to be strifeful all the time. That we're just humans, so we have to act this way. And, and while we always are going to deal with it, this, this series is not about, listen, if you understand this, suddenly strife will be gone. It's not about that. We're, but we're going to need to learn to rule over it. We're going to need to learn to rule over strife. It's, it's going to have to, listen, it's going to come, but you can overcome. All right? It's time for us to start troubling our trouble. 
Instead of just putting up with our trouble, let's trouble our trouble so our trouble leaves us alone for a while. So when strife comes knocking at your door, you do not have to answer it. And you all know what that knock is. It's typically somebody's voice in your life. You don't have to answer it. Instead, choose the love of God. Choose the love of God over the love of self and having to be right. Listen, don't give the devil a foothold into your life, into important relationships in your life. So easy for us to do that. We don't even recognize that we're doing it, but we just give the devil a little opportunity and he just steps his foot right into a relationship. The only way that we can do this is by responding with the love of God. Responding with the love of God. And the only way that we can do that is by understanding the love of God ourselves. And I'm telling you, we've not yet arrived. I want you to understand that we've not yet arrived at understanding the love of God. We think that we have, but unfortunately, we all have this template of people in our life that loved us, and they really did love us, but their, their love was imperfect, or their love was selfish at times. And so we have that as the grid that we see the love of God through. So we've got to understand the love of God yourself. In fact, next week, we're beginning a brand new series, Reckless Love, leading up to Easter. And I'm telling you, get those invite cards. You have a lot of friends that need the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Listen, you need to get your friends here on Easter Sunday. So let me, let me give you four practical ways as I kind of wind up this series today. Let me give you four practical ways that you can stand against the spirit of strife. The first one is you have to crucify the flesh. Now, if you were raised in church, that means something to you. You just kind of get what that means. But when I'm talking about crucifying the flesh, I'm talking about crucifying everything that is opposed to the word of God. Your your feeling wants to react wrong and say, I've got to defend myself, so I'm going to yell at this person or I'm going to be ugly towards this person. But that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. So when we crucify the flesh, the flesh says, respond, get them, you're you're getting at you. And we say, no, I'm going to make the right choice to respond right. We become open to the word of God, and when we become open to the word of God, what happens is we become open to the promises of God. I don't know if you have recognized this, but all throughout the New Testament when Jesus was ministering, it wasn't sin, it wasn't the way people were dressed, it wasn't their, their social status, their financial status that ever kept him from moving in their life. The only thing that it was was unbelief. Unbelief. And we don't recognize that even as believers, people who are followers of Jesus Christ, we can be operating in unbelief. And every time we operate in unbelief, we shut God out of our lives. See, the flesh is rooted in self-centeredness. Typically, it's self-protection. Self-centeredness, where our emotions, feelings, and even our own thoughts drive us to make decisions rather than the word of God. So when our flesh, not if, but when our flesh and our senses start talking, we give in and we allow our flesh to decide what we're going to say and what we're going to do. Hey, I'm just being real, so blah. Right? And we we throw up over on one another. So when we crucify the flesh, we don't allow our feelings and our emotions to decide what we're going to say. We don't allow our feelings and our emotions to decide how we're going to act. We don't give in to strife. Why? Because we know what the Word of God says. And here's what it says in Proverbs 28, 25. An arrogant man or a prideful man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. So sometimes you're going to have to trust God with some people in your life. 
You're going to have to trust God with some situations in your life. We just choose. And by the way, again, you're going to have to choose because your feelings and emotions are trying to choose for you. We choose to trust God. Meaning, we choose to do what the Word of God says in responding to strife. Because we know it's the way to walk in the prosperous life that God has for us. Which, by the way, is the reason why you need to know the Word of God. You need to understand the promises of God. You need to understand how to walk on the path of life that God has for you. Second thing we can do to stand against the spirit of strife is recognize the real enemy. Recognize the real enemy. Ephesians 6 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Listen, your struggle is not against your spouse. Let me say that again so y'all can hear that. Your struggle is not against your spouse. It's not against your family. It's not against your boss, your employees. It is not against that coworker. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against your children. It's not against your in-laws. It's not people that are driving crazy on the road. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but watch this, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The real enemy is a demonic influence that is operating through the person that is trying to get to you. Can that really happen? Absolutely. Peter, in one moment, is confessing, thou art the Christ. When Jesus asked him, who do people say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And in the next moment, he's going against the will of God. So Jesus has to turn around to him and say, get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but that would not be a cool thing to be a disciple and be being told that by Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. So it's the enemy working through that person. So don't let the enemy trick you into waging war against them. We put up our little fortress of protection. We get out our knives and we're ready to go to battle against people because the enemy is not flesh and blood. Keep your eye on who the real enemy is. Recognize that you have an enemy, the devil, who is trying to get you to start warring against the people that are most important in your life. So if someone in your life all of a sudden seems agitated with you and seems really grumpy, don't go to war against them. Don't fight with them. Don't get where they're at, right? But that's easy to do. They're in a bad mood, so by golly, I'm going to be in a bad mood too. Right? They said something snappy, I'm going to say something snappy back. Don't fight against them. Listen, have a conversation. I'm not saying that you just have to become a doormat and just let people rail on you. Have a conversation and say, hey, I really love you. Is everything okay? But please don't talk to me like that. Listen, that is not only acceptable, that's actually the thing that you should do. You should have a conversation, but don't fight. Listen, don't get to the place where with people in your life, you get so frustrated, you want to cuss them out. And they know you go to Amarillo Fellowship. (laughs) Don't do that. When someone goes low, take the high road because the enemy is trying to get you to enter into strife because he knows that when you enter into strife, it brings damage into your life. It brings issues. Sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes it's just for a few minutes. Sometimes it's for hours. Sometimes it's days, weeks, months, and years. The third thing we can do to stand against the spirit of strife is stay filled with the love of God. Listen, I can't talk enough about this. 
about how important it is for you to stay filled with the love of God, to constantly connect with the goodness of God, walking through the day, reminding yourselves about all the amazing things that you have and the way that God has blessed you. Because what happens is we get some challenges that come into our life. We get one or two situations that are really kind of challenging to us, and suddenly we get our eyes off the million amazing things that God has done, and we're looking at just the one or two things that are bringing some challenges into our life. Focus on the love of God. Listen, when the enemy is bringing an accusation to God, take that thought captive. When the enemy is telling you, if God really loved you, then why is this happening? Listen, we live in a fallen world. We do, and we're going to have fallen people around us that even though God is dealing with their lives a lot of times, they still have to respond to the love of God. They still have to respond to his leading and prompting. And so we sometimes get so frustrated and say, God, where are you? What's going on? And what ends up is the enemy brings an accusation into our life. And we begin to think that God doesn't love us anymore. Listen, when you stay filled with the love of God, you stay in love with the people that are in your life. In fact, you can recognize when you're not filled with the love of God because you're not there. When you operate in the love of God, you set before the devil something that he has no defense against. Let let me say that again. When you operate in the love of God, you set before the devil something that he has no defense against. He has no defense against the love of God. So what is the love of God? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a great template of what it should look like, the fruit that should be flowing out of our lives, that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. How can you fight against that? How can you fight against love? Richie, I have to admit today, that is impossible for me to do. And I would agree, if you're trying to do it in your love, if you're trying to do it in your ability to love. That's why we have to stay filled with God's love. We have to constantly connect to God's love and allow his love to flow through us. So how can we recognize when we're not filled with the love of God? It's very simple. We just understand the exact opposite of all these things, that we're not patient. We're, we're not kind. It's, we, we envy things. We, we're boastful. We're proud. We're dishonoring other people. We're self-seeking. We're easily angered. We keep record of wrongs. I remember what you did six years ago, right? We don't delight in what's right, but delight in evil. We love it when somebody gets paid back for the evil that they've been doing us. We don't rejoice with the truth. We don't protect I'm telling you, that's one of the things that we should be doing as a body of Jesus Christ more than any other is protecting one another. You know, that's what our body does. We've got things built inside of our immune system that go and protect when disease tries to come in. We we don't trust. There's no hope and we're not persevering. God's love puts every one of these attributes in the inside of us. Listen, am I saying that we're going to do that perfect? Absolutely not. But when it's not operating in my life right, I go back and I make adjustments. When I'm impatient, I just don't say, well, I'm just this way. When I'm unkind, well, I'm just, I grew up in a hard family. No, we make adjustments because all of the fruit of God's love are in the inside of us. 
The fourth thing we need to do to stand against the spirit of strife, and this is the one I'm going to close with, is, and we talked about this one already, but we have to humble ourselves. We need to learn how to operate in humility. In fact, last week I gave you a definition, a, I believe a biblical definition of what humility is, and it's this. Humility is someone who will submit to God's word, God's will, and God's way. God, I'm submitted. I don't always understand it. I don't always get it, and I don't always un- under- understand how it's going to work out, but I'm submitted to it because, God, I trust you. See, we, we, we don't get this with ourselves because we think our intellect and our understanding is almost equal to God's. But if you begin thinking about your small child when they're three or four years old and there's things that they want to do that you know they're not good for them, you don't let them do those things. And when we begin to understand that's how we are with God, there's just things we don't understand that he understands. We can make adjustments and we can operate in humility. Listen, and there are many people that, that are fighting against people that they dearly love. And we're fighting in really mean ways. We're very derogatory. We say wrong things to people. And listen, if that's just been the way that you've done it, don't expect yourself to understand this and it's just suddenly change. But don't justify it. Don't keep just going, well, this is just the way that I am. Because sometimes we're winning the battle, but we're losing the war. And you don't recognize that while you may be winning the argument, you're causing long-term damage to relationships. And most of the time in, in most of our lives, it's because pride is actually ruling and reigning in our life. And we're just living our lives according to the flesh. And just like that, it's rooted in self-centeredness. Where we think that everything is about us. That we are the center of the universe. Right? Everything is about us. Where Everything is about you having your way. And when you're doing that, you're not operating in humility. And when you're self-centered, you're putting yourself in a position to allow strife to start showing up in your life. So if you're going to operate in humility, you're going to have to choose not to put yourself at the center of everything. To not make everything about you. Because again, self-centeredness is the root that creates all kinds of bitterness in your life and in other people's lives. It creates all kinds of negative turmoil in your life. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to make a decision that it's not just about me. It's not just about what I want, the way I want it. It's about us. It's about we, church, family. It's about team. Pam and I are remodeling our house. I told you I'd get to the atrium story. Pam and I are remodeling our house, and if you've ever built a house or remodeled your house with someone, you know that it can be a bit stressful. And especially if you're a type of person that You like to weigh in on things. And I wish I was the type of person that I really just didn't give a rip about paint colors or furniture or anything, but I'm not. In fact, I'm pretty pretty passionate about about it. So earlier this week, we were deciding on a piece of furniture for our atrium that I was alluding to earlier, and we just weren't on the same page about it. So we began with a discussion, and then our discussion went to a discussion, capital letters, and I could recognize that all of a sudden the, the, the discussion was becoming more and more intense. And while the thing that Pam had picked out wasn't bad, in fact, it was really a nice piece of furniture, it just wasn't what I thought was the best thing, right? And so I'm arguing my point, and, but suddenly I began to realize, especially because I've been studying this issue on strife, that this just isn't worth fighting over. It really isn't. And so I chose what she wanted. I did the wise things, husband. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Richie, you big wuss, right? Why did you just give in? And listen, if I were just kind of giving up because of the fact that I just didn't want to discuss it anymore, and I was like, well, fine, let's do it your way, but I was really going to be mad, I would say I was being a big wuss. But when you recognize that the love that you have for that person is more important than being right about some things, it begins to change everything. Listen, we sometimes allow the weaknesses of other people or the way that other people think differently than us allow a lot of strife to come into our lives rather than just saying, you know what, you're far more important than what we're disagreeing on. Again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have the discussion. Discuss it. But look, when you get to a place where you feel like you're at an impasse, one of you has to make the decision to say, you know what, I'm fine with it. Let's do it your way because I love you more than then I love what we're about ready to do. Which, by the way, is really important for you to understand that you can't tell them, well, look, I'll be the bigger person and I'll just give in right now. That's not humility either. It's really not. That's why the scripture says this. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace or he gives favor to the humble. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposing me. I want him giving me grace. I want him being my lead blocker through life. Him opening up things that I couldn't open up, open up for. So who does God do that for? The humble. The humble. Those who submit themselves to God's word, God's will, and God's way. He does it for those that don't live according to the flesh. That just react all the time. He doesn't do it for those he, he does it for those who recognize that that person is not the real enemy in your life. And he does it for those people who are continually being filled with the love of God. That God's love is constantly filling their hearts and lives. When you feel dry, listen, God's got more love. He's ready to dump into your life. Yeah, you just got to go back and commit and connect with him. And you got to walk in humility. His grace is what empowers you and I to remove all the strife in our life. It's not your ability in and of yourself. So listen, I, I know today that this probably isn't anything that you haven't heard before. But what's common knowledge is not always common practice. And it's really easy for us to understand, yes, that. But actually walking it out can be a little bit more challenging. And I'm telling you, when you'll put God in the center of your life and get out of the center of your life, and you'll recognize when the spirit of strife is trying to come in, you're going to stand up against that. And I'm telling you, 2018 is going to be a breakthrough year for many of you. And listen, the people around you may not change, but I'm telling you, you changing alone is going to cause you to live in victory. No matter if everybody else wants to kind of have turmoil and strife in their life, you're just going to let them do it. Because you're not entering into that simply because you're recognizing that where there's strife, there's, there's disunity and there's division and the enemy's trying to bring this into your relationships and you're saying, I'm not going to do that. So I want to pray over you today.